0: one quick thing. You see someone who's still standing. My wife will not sit down. This is Shannon Green. Uh, uh, Shannon, you'll remember, Shannon was the young lady in uh, New Jersey that was having trouble finding a church that would baptize her. And Lynn and I were out there in August and were able to baptize her. And she just moved here. Yesterday, she drove from New Jersey in this mess here and she is now no longer what would be called uh, scripturally a diaspora member of our church somewhere else. She's now local. So if you see Shannon around, greet her and let her know who you are. And she will, she has a wonderful mind. She will remember everybody's name the first time. So uh, welcome everybody. Those of you joining us online, my name is Trent Walker. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, We are in the gospel according to Matthew and I am excited about the the, the, the passage today, I hope that that will translate. We're in the, um, the temptations. And I know it's, if, if you've, if you've been around the church a long time, if you've ever read through the scriptures, you're very familiar with this. And I'm not saying that I think I'm going to be able to come up with something new that you've never heard, but it is one of the reasons we go through the gospel, uh, a gospel account every year between Christmas. Well, basically epiphany. We started a little earlier this year, um, because we, 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 worked through some of Matthew at Christmas, uh, fourth Sunday of Advent, and then through Christmas. Um, but usually between Epiphany, which is January 6-ish, and Easter, we, we walk through a gospel account. And the reason for that, there's only four of them, and so every four years, or every fifth year, you're going to hear the same gospel account again. But one of the reasons is that to be familiar with the life, teaching, work, miracles, suffering, death, resurrection and ascension of jesus that's what the whole church is founded on that's why we do this and to be reminded of that and to to be reminded of each gospel accounts particular focus is i think is wise now each of the uh each of the gospels has a they don't have a different take i mean the temptations were the temptations but how it comes about uh how it's kind of uh specified and then um the the tie-ins in Matthew are particularly interesting, at least to me. So uh, I'm going to offer prayer, and then we're going to we're going to read this passage, and then we're going to walk through it. And I'll probably end the message by reading through it again, so that you're hearing the things that we talked about. One last thing, um, I don't remember who the who the author was, uh, but the there's a person years ago that said the uh, the rumors of my death are exaggerated. You remember that something some quote like that. Um, if you heard that I had COVID this week, I may have, I don't know, but I drove through a blizzard to meet a young man uh, at juvenile detention, and I was sitting, I, they always do a COVID test, I was sitting there on Wednesday night, and I was joking with one of the parole officer, or probation officers, like, wouldn't it be funny if I drove all the way up here, and I get a COVID test that says I'm positive, positive?" and the, that moment, the other probation officer walked in and said, bad news, I'm like, you're kidding me. No symptoms whatsoever. So I ended up having a Zoom call with the young man in the parking lot and then had to scramble because Pastor Doug was preaching today. He was going to have to do all four. Lynn and I went in for a PCR test the next day. We stood in line in the snow for an hour uh, to get the test came back negative. I think there was something wonky with the other test or it caught me on the last day of the virus and I had no idea. So if you got word that I was out and that I'm, and I'm not muscling through this for anybody here, I'm not risking anybody. I'm, 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 I'm free and clear. I'm no longer unclean. If I was, I didn't even know it. So, all right, let's pray together and we'll move from there. Lord, we bless you and praise you. Thank you for who you are, for what you do for us, for what you do in us. And we thank you in advance for what you will do through us. Lord, these are, this is the count of your, the beginning of your suffering, actually, and certainly the beginning of your temptation uh, in your public ministry. So, Lord, as, as we walk through this, I ask that you give me the right words to say, the demeanor to say them, the, the, the cadence, the, the passion, all of it, however you want it said to your people, because this is your message for us, not my message for them. Give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts to receive what you would have us see, hear, and receive. We pray this in the name of Jesus, through the power of your spirit, for the glory of God our Father. Amen. i going to get my timer going there. So, a couple of, couple of definitions. Uh, one, uh, what's the difference? Some people, some people refer to this passage as God's test, God the Father's test of God the Son. And we know that God doesn't tempt excuse me. We know that God doesn't tempt, although we do know that God does test. We know in uh, Genesis 22, sometime later, God tested Abraham. And then he said to him, Abraham. So often when there's a temptation, there's also a test. So what's the difference between a temptation and a test? In, In the most base of terms, a temptation is an enticement to get someone to go contrary to God's will. And a test tries to get a person to prove themselves faithful to god's will with the good intention that the person will indeed pass the test so if you think about it uh when you read through the scriptures and as you as you walk through your own lives you will see often that 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 there are opportunities where some things some things are tempting but if you are faithful to the call of God in your life, that 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 temptation turns into a, a, a proof or a reassurance or a, an evidence of the fruit of the Holy Spirit working in you, that you were able to say no to being contrary to God's will. So when you say yes. To God's will, you have passed the test. When you say no to temptation, you have chosen to remain faithful to trust God's reality and God's desire and God's will and God's plan and God's concern for you. You, you, you've You've chosen to believe that God is good as opposed to the perversion of God's goodness or the perversion of reality, which is what the devil always does. And we'll see that in these three temptations of Jesus. It reads like this. Then, and I love, this is so Matthew. It just, we, we heard about John the baptizer, um, or the, the baptism last week, and it just, that starts with, then Jesus came from Galilee. That's all we heard. Here's this guy out in the desert baptizing people, and then we'd see, we hear nothing else, and then, then Jesus came here then jesus was led by the spirit so this is right after the 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 baptism right after the holy spirit descended the ruach of god descended over um, and hovered over jesus and the voice from heaven saying this is my son in whom i am well pleased immediately following that jesus heads into the desert for tempting now i want you to notice a pattern in scripture you can see it with elijah after he takes on Ahab, Ahab was an evil king, him and uh, uh, Jezebel, they did just ruined the work of God in their people. He had brought them into Baal worship. Um, God was saying to Ahab, it's your, your time is done and there's going to be a famine. He uses uh, Elijah to come and to stand before him and say, until the words come out of my mouth, says the Lord, there will be no more rain and there will be famine in the land. Elijah takes off. And he, he has this cry out to God. He's alone. He says, better today that I would, you know, would have been better if I was never born. And then he hangs out with the crows, the ravens uh, at the wadi for a couple of years because famine had kicked in. And then after that, he heads off and he finds a widowed woman and she says, um, I'm going to make some bread for my son and I, and then I'm going to die. So you notice this is a significant spiritual experience that, that Elijah has. He's going to take on the king on behalf of God and then immediately following that is a testing or he hit a he, 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 significant spiritual experience followed by dryness, followed by barrenness, followed by a time where, yeah, the crows fed him, but he had no word from God. You will see this time and time and time and time and time again in scripture significant spiritual experience followed by either a time when, when when someone tempts or god tests same thing with abraham abraham waited a lifetime for for his son the promised one and then after the significant, he grows up a little bit and then god tested him and he sent him off and asked abraham do you love your son more than you love me do you trust my promise, even though it's going to look like I'm taking it away. Even Jesus, because he's fully human, that which is not assumed is not redeemed. So Jesus took on all that humanity is. Even Jesus, after a significant spiritual experience, and imagine you go, you fall, someone throws you down into the water and pulls you back up, and a voice from heaven says, this is my son, whom I love and in whom I'm well pleased. Imagine the the excitement that you would have if that happened to you on the way home, if there was a voice from heaven and your spouse hears it in the car, this is my loved one. You're gonna be excited. Well, I'm not gonna say watch out because here it comes, but often, and you've probably had that experience yourself, there's a certain time when you feel passionate, you feel like you're connected with God, like you've never been connected with God, and a lot of times that's a preparation it's a strength it's a it's a and it's an equipping for what's to come same thing happens with Jesus Jesus was led by the spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil after fasting 40 days and 40 nights I love this understatement he was hungry really I've gone 6 days it's the longest I've ever fasted no calories for 6 days and I will tell you that the hunger fades after a day or two, um, but 40 days, I'd be hungry. The tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to, a, to, to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, and he quotes Psalm 91 here, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And this I will give you, he said, if you bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and the angels came and attended him. So much going on here. Many of the things you already know. A couple of things to, to remind you of, though, that, that Jesus is identifying his life with the life of the Israelites. He's also identifying himself as the new Adam. Adam, in the best of circumstances, He's in the garden, there's no sin, he has only a wife, he has, there's, no, there's no other person to be tempted by, he, he has everything he needs, and he's walking and talking and being known and loved by the God of the universe in the cool of the evening every day. And in the best of circumstances, he can't stop from eating chocolate. You all know I don't believe it was an apple because I don't think a woman would risk eternity for an apple, but for chocolate. Adam had it, the, the, you, you've never experienced the circumstances that Adam was in, and he failed. Jesus succeeds in the worst of circumstances. Sin had been prevalent throughout the world, he's in an arid, dry place. He hasn't eaten for 40 days, and the very first temptation is a personal one. Just tell these stones to turn into bread. Now, is it sinful if you have the power to turn stones into bread? No. Is it sinful to eat? No. So what's the the sin that he's asking Jesus to commit? If the will of the Father is for you to fast then breaking fast before he says to break the fast, then it's sinful. Jesus was being tempted to satisfy his own needs. In a way, he's saying, if you are the son of God, which takes us back to the devil in the garden, he says, did God really say? See, that's what he does. He's always going to twist the the reality that you already know, the, the, the God that you've committed yourself to, the God who has committed himself to you, he's going he's gonna to get you or try to get you to doubt the intent, to doubt the love, to doubt what God actually said. It's happening all over the place in our culture today. People will tell you what Jesus was about. They will say things like the gospel, Jesus was all about love and acceptance. of the Pharisees, of the Sadducees, of the rich young man? No. Jesus was all about truth. Jesus was all about the will of the Father. And yes, he came to show his great love for humanity by showing, becoming one of us and suffering on our behalf. And part of his suffering was willingly and willfully denying himself food for forty days. Now, the forty days is to tie in with the, the 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 people of God in the desert for forty years, where God provided manna and quail. He sustained them day to day for forty years. And how do we know that He's tying this in with that 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 push through? The desert and where God was making a people, because every time Jesus quotes scripture in response to these temptations, he's quoting Deuteronomy from that time of God's people walking through the desert. Here, the enemy of God, um, Satan himself, is saying to him, You just eat. But he starts off with, if you're the son of God. How does the devil tempt you? I know how it works for me. God wants you to be loyal. God wants you to be honorable. And wouldn't it be honorable or loyal if you did this? Most of the time, yeah. But it might not be right. Because there are times when to be loyal to a friend is to call out sin. So to be loyal to a person isn't necessarily to accept what they're doing, it's to love them enough to show them that they shouldn't be doing just that. And the same thing with someone else being loyal or loving to me. If I'm out of line, that person they love me, if they're loyal to me, if they're honorable toward me, they should be telling me the truth. The enemy of God wants to pervert not just God's word, and he actually quotes scripture here, you'll notice in the second temptation, but, but he, he doesn't just pervert God's word. He, pervert, he perverts reality, what you know to be true, because God is the author of reality. God is the one who says this is how it is. And when we start thinking, well, yeah, if it's personal, okay. But look at the second one that Jesus, the second temptation. It's national. When he takes him up to the highest place, it's at about 450, I'll make sure I get the, 450 uh, feet above the Kidron, uh, the Kidron Valley, uh, southeast corner of the temple. If you're the Son of God, he asks again, and it's already clear that he's the Son of God. The The, the Holy Spirit of God just hovered over him 40 days before and said to everyone who could hear, this is my Son, whom I love, I'm well pleased with him. There's no question that he's the Son of God, but he's going to play on that. Does God really love you? Are you truly who he claims you are? Do you believe it? Are you going to trust him? Are you going to do the, shor- are you going to take the shortcut? He's a, 450 feet above the Kidron Valley and it's a very public place and if he stands up there and jumps off and he's rescued by the angels do you think that his following that that he would develop a following pretty quickly that would go viral in that day and age. And he would immediately have hundreds of thousands of followers because word would spread very quickly and their nationalistic fervor of the messianic promise would be all over the place. He could, he could immediately start the ministry of overthrowing Rome, which is what everyone thought he was coming to do. If you're the son of God, Psalm 91 that you wrote tells you if you jump off, he's not going to let you be hurt. Imagine witnessing that miracle. But Jesus says, he quotes Deuteronomy 6.13, do not put the Lord your God to the test. God can test you, but we do not get to test him. So you've got the personal, just satisfy your aching hunger, or for some of us, just satisfy your lust whether it be for food, whether it be for, 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 for physical intimacy, whether it be for, um, for notoriety, whether it be for comfort, there's always this, this lust, this desire that we want to satisfy. There's a personal temptation daily for every one of us. But then there's this national temptation. Who are our people? And what are we supposed to do to spur our people on to something more? Is there a way we can just get what we want without having to go through the process of getting all of us there? That's the temptation that Jesus has at the, at the, the, the highest point of the temple. If you're the son of God, nothing's going to happen to you. Just get it done. And then the third one is universal. He doesn't say if you're the son of God, but it is certainly implied here. He takes him to the high mountain and he shows him all the kingdoms of the world. And he says, I'll give it all to you. And biblically speaking, it was his to give. I'll give it all to you. Just bend your knee. I don't know if you've been tempted with the kingdoms of the world before. But i can't imagine jesus knowing what he's going to walk through what his next three years is going to look like and how it's going to end i can't imagine that that wasn't unbelievably tempting i know that i've been in my former charge i was sitting in a room and there's a staff, I was the new lead pastor, and there's still some people that, that were really grieving the, the loss of the, the, the former lead pastor, and I had just been a staff person along with them, and now I was uh, in a position of authority over them, and there's this, this tension, and I remember t- for two and a half hours I sat with one guy, and, and he was just railing on me and how different I was and how the other guy did it better and all that, and I, okay. But I remember how, how, how I could taste the temptation to become some, the person I thought was needed to do this job instead of be the person that God had called me to be. You can't tell me that exponentially more that that isn't what Jesus was going through. That all I have to do is a simple act of bending a knee and I avoid all of the suffering. Here's the thing. If he would have bent his knee and been king over all the kingdoms of the world, would that have been love? See, we've romanticized love. In fact, C.S. Lewis goes so far as to say we talk about God is love, 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 so much that we turn love into God. And God is love. God is loving. But God is just. God is justice. God is wrathful, but God is tender. God is immutable and unchanging, but God is intimate and involved in our lives. But you can't tell me that Jesus didn't think, at least for a moment, what if I take the shortcut? What if I do it the easy way? If he would have, you and I would not be sitting here because we would not know that we have a God who's willing to suffer because of his great love for us. He's willing to die in my stead. So he was tempted personally. He was tempted in the messianic rule nationally, loving his people. He could have done it differently. And he was tempted universally. Am I going to change the will of God for humanity? Am I going to change who God is to humanity. If he would have bent his knee to the devil himself, he might have been king over the kingdoms of the earth, but he would have become something God is not. Some things to think about. One, when the enemy tempts, he will always pervert He doesn't just lie. He makes it sound true. He will always pervert either the will, the word, or the heart of God. He will try to get you to justify yourself in whatever decision you're about to make. Jeff Manion says it this way, a heart that feels ripped off can justify anything. So Jesus three times quotes Deuteronomy, three times identifies himself with the people of God so that he can be the prophet, priest, and king for the people of God. He did, he undid what Adam did wrong. He undid what, what Moses, Moses did a pretty good job, but not completely. And he undid what David had done wrong. He's the new Deliverer, He's the new Adam. He's the new deliverer. He's the new Moses. And he's the new David. He's all of those things, but he did them right. And the enemy did, he doesn't have any new tricks. He does the same thing with you that he did with him. He will either pervert who God is, if you really are, if God really loves you, then it might be bigger than that. Well, look, look at the world you live in. I mean, everybody's doing this. No one thinks that way. Everyone thinks this way. Everyone does this. That's a perversion of what God's desire, His will, His heart, His hope, His word. And it might be something, you know, the whole world's going to hell anyway. Who cares? Don't fall for it. He will even take Scripture and misuse it. Know your Scripture, you will be tempted. Will it be the devil himself or one of his minions? Maybe. But it might just be what lives inside of you. Sin. We all have it. Every time we compromise, we've given in to temptation. Whether it be morality, whether it be what the scripture says, whether it be for me, I want to be loyal and honorable but sometimes being loyal and honorable is the hard thing. It means to love someone in such a way that you want what's best for them and they know it, even though they don't want to hear it. The God of the universe who took on flesh was tempted by the devil, personally, nationally, and universally. That tells us you and I will be two. But remember how Matthew started this passage. He said, Then Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit into the desert to be tempted. Not that Jesus really had a choice, and it's not that he resisted the will of the Father, but he wasn't alone. And neither are you. You will be led by the Spirit. And the enemy will try to draw you away. Temptations can turn into tests that you succeed. Because that is God's intent for you. When you're tempted, to remain faithful. To call on his word that's written on your heart to know that the enemy's desire is to pervert, pervert God's heart, his will, his word, or the reality that he's created. Stand firm because you're not alone. And the beauty of what's different between Jesus then, the disciples then, and you and I now, is that the Spirit was with Jesus. He was alongside the disciples, just like he led in Deuteronomy and Exodus, just like he led the people of God, he was before them, but now he's in you. You are the holy of holies. You are the place that God takes up residence. It's not between brick walls. It's between two lungs. There is no thing that you can be tempted, to, tempted by That through you, through the Holy Spirit living in you, you cannot overcome. But you have to know it's coming. And you have to decide in advance I will not fall. It's exactly what Jesus did. And if we're to model our lives after him, it's exactly what we should do. We're moving into a new year. And I don't know if you know this, but life's probably worldwide, nationally, even locally. It's probably not going to be okay in a couple of weeks when this whole Omicron thing goes away. Everything's going to be normal and everything's going to be hunky-dory. It's probably not going to work that way because it has never worked that way. And you will be tempted to bend the will of God, to bend the word of God, or to give in to satisfying your own desires. And the Lord says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. That is exactly what Jesus did. His own understandings, his own desires, his own passions, his own hunger, he said no to because he trusted the Lord, the God, the, his Father with everything he had. And were his paths made straight? You and I are fruit of that. You and I are a witness to that. And you and I are the beneficiaries of that. Imagine what God can do when you say no to temptation and yes to the will of God. You might not ever see it, but people will be blessed. And God will be honored. And you will be called good and faithful servant. Let's pray. Almighty God, we bless you and praise you and thank you for who you are, for what you do for us, what you do in us, and what you'll do through us. Help us, Lord, see the temptations in our lives for what they are, perversions, not truth, and help us stand firm on the truth of the scriptures, the truth of what we know, who we know God to be, and the truth that the Holy Spirit of God takes up resonance within us. We pray this in Jesus' name, through the power of your Spirit, for the glory of God our Father. Amen.